Hello and welcome to Home Modern Homemakers. Uh, I'm here with Donna Otto, who has been leading and teaching women since 1987. And today she will be talking to us a little bit more about Lint and how Lint is good for our brains. Hi, Donna. Hi, nice to see you. Isn't that a great title? Mm-hmm. Lint is good for your brain. I, want, I hope everybody's wondering where I'm going with that. Well, I, what is what do I mean by Lint is good for your brain? Well, first of all, a lot of the things that we talk about in Lent are adding to our lives things we don't necessarily do or taking away from our lives, which we think would give us more time. And what is it we're going to do with that time and, and inclination? I have two young women who I pray for very regularly, and not that they, they didn't know that the other was, giving up social media for... 40 days of Lent, not Mm -hmm. on Sunday. And I asked them about it after the first Sunday. Well, did you go on, do everything, you know, and get all caught up? The first thing they said was you could never get caught up in one day. But the second thing was, no, I felt inclined to stay away from it also. Both of them said the same thing. So giving up social media was, their intention was to have more time. Where do they find a place they could gain more time? And then what were they going to do with that time? So when I say Lent is good for our brains, it's really good for our brains and for our soul. If we begin by thinking about what I'm going to do with the decision. Now, we're past the decision for some of us. But some of you are saying, you know, I I missed Lent altogether. I missed Ash Wednesday. What is this preparing for Easter all about? And I'm going to say to you, begin now. Uh, There are still 35 days or 32 days before we actually get to our Easter celebration. So pause long enough. And I did a broadcast a few weeks ago about the notion of Lent and adding to and taking away and the reason we would do that. So today I want to talk a little bit about why I think Lent is good for your brain and for your soul, and that's because it opens the pathway for you to have more time, more time to think about your own thoughts, more time to spend with the Lord. When I say that, sometimes people say, I don't know what to do when you say spend time with the Lord. Well, the first thing I think we we need to consider is the idea of being alone with your thoughts. Um, Lent is a time that makes room. Researchers were not greatly surprised when people expressed how difficult being alone was, but they were stunned that over one-fourth of the women and two-thirds of the men, and this was 1,000 people that they tested, um, ended up giving themselves a shock when being in the testing room left alone, no noises, no sound, and if you touch that button, you'll get shocked. The the inability to be alone and quiet and nothing to do with that little button right in front of you was the temptation was knowing what they were going to get. The temptation still was to do that. And when I first read it, I I have to admit, I thought, really? But then it didn't take me 30 seconds to figure out I would do the same thing. Have you ever been in a situation where they tell you don't touch something? You just perseverate on it. I want, why not? I will. What happens if I do? How bad could the shock be? But, But the point of it was they were unable to have that sense of quiet. 
So technology is increasing, not decreasing. Mm -hmm. And the relationship that we have in all reality is increasing with the technology. And I have to tell you that when technology first began, I did a lot of research and read a lot of things that were available then. It promised us that we would be able to, we would be able to, we would be able to. And now, and I'm going to recommend something to all of you today. I'll mention it now. It's a documentary you can find on YouTube, obviously on your any screen. It's called Childhood, one word, Childhood, 2.0. And that is a very intense program describing what's going on with technology today. But when technology first started creeping in, I can still, I look back on those lessons and think, how um, narrow, how narrow I saw this. It, it was like being addicted to too many books or too many TV shows. And then I watched a series of uh, cases that were presented in Congress for and against and large techie companies who were being accused of persuasive tools and building into the brain hackers, they called them in those days. And that was, they were hacking into our brains, mm -hmm. knowing that every time you got a beep, just like the maids and the rats in it, you'll go for another beep. So all of that now is just heightened beyond my comprehension, beyond my understanding. That's why I, I so enjoyed watching the documentary. But being alone with our thoughts does take a habit. Mm -hmm. Being alone quiet. If you've been hanging around homemakers or Donna Otto for a while, you've probably heard me mention something of this before. But I, I, I didn't I wasn't diagnosed with any of the ADD, ADHD things because in my day that wasn't even known. I can still remember being 37 or 38 years old, a very close friend um, who was in a ministry position, called me in the afternoon and he said, you're not going to believe this. I have a CD in my hand, just brought back from the psychiatric counseling uh, international meeting, and it describes both of us. That's all he said. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, I'm going to drop it by the house. You and David listen to it. And it was the first time either one of us had encountered what ADD or ADHD was like. Now that perfectly described why my fifth grade teacher tied me to my chair with a piece of rope and put masking tape on my mouth. And you mothers are gasping because that was allowed. Nobody said a word to him about it. And in actuality, I, I kind of feel sorry for him. I look back and think, oh, what a nuisance I must have been. But being alone with my thoughts was what I had been welcomed to by Richard Foster 65 years ago mm -hmm. when he wrote the book, A Celebration of Discipline. The Celebration of Discipline, he divided it into three parts, inward disciplines, outward disciplines, and corporate disciplines. And in the outward disciplines, he talked about solitude. Well, may I tell you how I felt about solitude? What? Why would anyone want, why would you want to be alone when you could be with someone else? Mm. And my husband and I laugh about our firstborn grandchild who came out of the womb, I, I think like his grandmother. And he walked by his grandfather one night and he was spending the night and he said, Boompa, you want to take a shower with me, don't you? And he was four. <laughs> you don't like to do things alone. 
Mm-hmm. My personality likes people. I have gifting that is with people. So being alone was very daunting. And I knew Foster was right. So I began to go through those disciplines. And if you've been wondering about this phrase, spiritual formation, what is it? What does it mean? Well, remember two things. Spiritual formation is the middle word between information, then comes formation, and the end word is transformation. You don't run to transformation. That's not where we start. We start by information. We we join a church or we visit someone who talks to you about Christ and we may say yes to Christ or we join a group that's practicing disciplines for formation reasons to form who they are. We can do that. Meditation, prayer, fasting, study. So I took the book and I started right down the center of it for all 12 of them. And when I got to solitude, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what strong words I could use. Uncomfortable is not strong enough. But I said to the Lord, okay, if I can't sit still and I can't get my brain to still down, what shall I do? How shall I do it? And in those days, I had a crank up timer. It wasn't my phone. And you know what, gals? If you have a um, a phone, most of them have timers on them. Buy yourself a 995 timer and use that for your quiet life. Leave your phone somewhere else because the phone is very tempting. It's very daunting. It beeps, it lights. Mine beeps and lights up. So even if I turn off my, no, I could turn off the light, but I turn off the sound, there's still a light flashing on it. So leave the phone far away from your place of quiet with the Lord. And I said, all right, I I think I can sit for five minutes. And I turned that little cranker for five minutes. When I look back, I was so fidgety. I, I accomplished nothing of quiet except I stayed in one position for five minutes. And I realized what was ahead of me, which was a very long process before I could literally be alone with my own thoughts, but also alone with the thoughts of God who wants to speak to me, who wants to encourage me, not only through his word, but through his voice. Now, some of you say, does that mean he has an audible voice? No, he doesn't. I've never heard an audible voice of God. That's personally. I've walked in faith for 60 years. I have never heard an audible voice. But I know his voice. Mm -hmm. Just like I know the voice Leah has a very unique voice, and I she doesn't have to say, hi, this is Leah. She says, hi, and I know her voice. Most of you would say the same about everyone in your world because you come to learn that voice. And so the idea of quiet um, and Lent being good for your brain and your soul is that you might come to sit quietly long enough that you might learn his voice. So what does that have to do with Lent? Well, it has to do with the fact that this is a great time to pause and recognize that there is power in the story of the life and death of Jesus Christ. There's power in your experiencing that story, and there's power in your repeating the practice of experiencing the story. Well, I've been teaching the Bible for about 38 or 9 years And I will never forget 
maybe the third year that I was teaching on a full calendar year, which meant of 52 weeks, I taught 37 weeks a year. Not quite pastoral full-time, but pretty full-time. So I had been through two or three seasons, and it was Christmas again. And I went to the typical Christmas passages, and I read through them, and I thought, I already taught that. I already, I've already done that. And that was the year, I'll never forget it. I read this phrase that had to do with the Christmas story, and it said, and they went home a different way. That was my theme for the whole Christmas season. Mm-hmm. And who was that? That was the Magi, the Magi who came later, who were following the star, the Magi who went to Herod and said, where is he? Oh, when you find him, come back and tell me, says Herod. They knew better than that. They were following the star. They brought their gifts, and they knew his voice and knew they were not to go home the way they came. And they they believed, statistically, if those wise men came from the region, it, they had been walking on camels, walking and riding camels for nine weeks. So now, this is not pull out your maps on the phone and get a new way home. This was finding a new way home. I never forgot that, because that one phrase made me realize that there's always something in the Easter story. This year, mm-hmm. I just need to sit with it. Our brains are wired to connect with stories in a way that information or even good theology cannot provide. I've just told you two stories. I suspect you'll remember the story of my being in the fifth grade tied to my chair with masking tape over your mouth before you remember some of the other things I say today. But that's why the reading of the Bible in the story way it's been written to make you understand how these stories connected to each other in the life of Christ, Old Covenant and New Covenant, and also the stories of Jesus that relate to you. I think when you get to know the Word of God, you begin to feel like you're walking through a story again, but you're different. And when it comes time for preparing for Easter, I'm always very enthusiastic. Um, And I recognize now that the profound reality is that as I journey this year toward the cross with Christ, through these 40 days of preparation and through the final week, and we call it week of weeks, and the final days, I, Donna Otto, am different. And so I see the story differently. That's why we've been encouraging you to make time to spend some of these days with new truths and old truths that will prepare you. So I want to talk just a minute now about this um, idea of childhood 2.0 and I want to tell you that I'm going to bring to the studio in a couple of weeks a young woman who I've known for a number of years her name is Chrissy Maloof she has a master's in elementary education Um, she got her BA in marketing and management and then went into education and she's she's the kind of teacher uh, well here's the thing you should know about her Anywhere in the city of Phoenix or Scottsdale, I go, I, I, we or we go together if I go with her, someone stops us and says, 
Oh, Mrs. Maloof, little kid is waving, Mom, Mom, that's my teacher, or a parent who remembers her. She's a memorable instructor. And she was having a conference at her school, and it was, um, I think it was held by Bark for Schools. So if you're a computer person and want to look up more information, I think the sponsor is Bark for Schools. The documentary they recommended was Childhood 2.0. And the presenter's name was Katie, K-A-T-E-Y, McPherson. And she's a childhood advocate and educational consultant. So when this day of education was over, Mrs. Maloof sent out a note to all of her parents, and this is what she said. Good evening. We had an internet, internet safety assembly this afternoon. Now, I'm of the time when we had, um, oh, I've forgotten what it was, when the shelters, bomb shelter, we would have those assemblies, and then they would be called on to... A drill. A drill. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. A drill. So that this was an internet safety assembly for the whole student body. The kids felt that it was a little too long, and Mrs. Maloof agreed, but she said the information was fantastic. I strongly encourage you to ask your child about it. She also spoke at a parents' night where she got backup from parents in our community who agreed with some of the things that she was sharing, so that gives her further um, information. She shared information that you and your child need to know about successfully navigating social media. She shared about information about anxiety and depression and recommended the documentary I've just recommended. Some of the best points of this documentary is we are giving the keys of maybe I didn't say this uh, giving the keys of a Ferrari the technology to young people who haven't even had driver's ed very good visual Um, she said no technology in the bedroom and I have to say uh, an aside there my husband and I have spent many years in marriage counseling and teaching marriage classes and just about Three weeks ago, a young couple came to our home, and they were describing an issue they were having about rest. So we prodded them with a few questions, and he wants to go to bed and read and go to sleep, and she wants to go to bed and watch television until she falls asleep, leaving the television running. And so they were, needless to say, at the opposite ends of the the spectrum. But we have said for decades and have practiced it ourselves, no technology in the bedroom, just no technology. Uh, One of our close young couples who have seven children, uh, two of them are adopted children, they have a bench in their house and at a certain hour of the night, and these kids who live at home are from 21 to 11, 12, and the phones have to show up, they're unplugged, they're set right there. And have they all tried to sneak in? Yes. And have they all tried to get in earlier in the morning than when the hour? Yes. But they all know that there's no technology in the bedroom and nothing good for that age child happens after nine o'clock online. And that digital vegetables should be 
encouraged instead of digital candy. Mm -hmm. And I love that phrase because we know as good parents in feeding their bodies that we want to give them the best things um, to eat. So I recommend uh, these books by Katie that Katie recommended, Saving Our Sons. I'm just going to give you the title. I think you'll find them easily. Untangled and The Self-Driven Child. And then I bought a book uh, not long ago and was thinking about sharing some of it with you called The Wired Soul. So those are four books that I might recommend to you um, as I talk to you this day about why Lent is good for our brains and our bodies. And the last thing I want to recommend to you is a book that was written, I'm going to look at this, uh, in 2004, by a woman, her name is Ruth Haley Barton. Ruth Haley Barton. The foreword is by Dallas Willard, who is now in heaven. And Ruth has written a very, very easy to enjoy, easy to read book called An Invitation to Solitude and Silence, An Invitation. Uh, she reads an incredible passage, which I've taught many times myself, out of 1 Kings chapter 19, when um, the voice of God comes to the tribes. And I won't say any more about that. But she talks about why we find resistance. She uses a phrase that I've been using since I read this book in 2004. Do you ever find yourself dangerously tired? Did your mother or your mother-in-law, a mentor, say uh, this wonderful phrase, I think it's Amy Carmichael's phrase, in the middle of the night, what looks like a mountain in the morning is a molehill. Because in the middle of the night, generally speaking, or in the middle of your regular sleep period, if that's daytime, you are dangerously tired. It's not a good time. Or when you push yourself and push yourself and push yourself. And for people who resonate with me, I have been given an amazing capacity by God. Amazing. And I was probably 40 years old or 45 years old before I recognized I had that capacity. But did that satisfy me? No. Push a little more. Push a little more. Push a little more. And there were many times in my life that I could have called myself dangerously tired had I had Ruth's title. She also talks about the kinds of rest that are different, the rest for the body, the rest for the mind, and the rest for the soul. So I encourage you to pick up her book, Invitations to Solitude and Silence, Transformation Possibilities. Well, I think that's all I have to say today about Lent and the reason that we try to make the time of Lent not only good for our brains but good for our souls and good for our bodies. Mm -hmm. But if you've been wondering about giving up something to eat or something you do, maybe you're going to give up a space in your brain that you might take a pause and make Lent good for your soul and brain. Well, thank you, Donna, again, for another lesson on how we can treat our brains well. Yeah. yeah. Give more space for him. <laughs> Did you hear anything special today that might apply to your motherhood or your personal life? You know, I think 
social media is always on the forefront Mm -hmm. with teenagers and there's so many different tools and mechanisms you can use to try to help. I mean, we used Bark. You mentioned Bark. We used Bark for a long time. But those kids are smarter than us. (laughs) (laughs) They are. So I agree that physically taking the piece of technology is the best way to give their brains a break because Mm -hmm. I have noticed they, even more so than us, don't know how to say that's enough. Especially, you know, that's enough games, that's enough stimulation, that's enough um, of the technology. They will just stay on it all night. So, well, in this documentary, one of the things I was shocked by the number of hours. I won't, I won't spill all the information. The number of hours, but what you, the, the addiction to it mm-hmm. is such that you get in the middle of something, you don't want to stop it. Mm -hmm. So having a nine o'clock hour when 12 people are texting you about something or when you've been wounded Mm. and a lot of people are bringing whatever nasty thing has been put to the foreground, you want to get it finished. You want to get it tidied up. So I... I didn't have a child in that era, so I don't know exactly what it's like, but I've surely seen the results of it. Thanks, Leah. Yes, and just trying to teach ourselves and our children how to find comfort in solitude Mm -hmm. and in silence. Mm -hmm. It's not comfortable all the time. No. So we encourage you for Modern Homemakers for the common begin and the uncommon finish. So go and make today uncommon and find yourself some solitude and silence.